0: Hair splitting, contrast resolution, and low-light performance on the all-new Bushnell Banner 2 are yours for the taking in this optical upgrade of our legendary Banner family. Featuring all-new dusk and dawn multi-coated lenses for class-leading clarity and brightness, plus a DOA quick ballistic reticle that tells you precisely where to hold at extended ranges. All wrapped in a waterproof, tough-as-nails aircraft-grade aluminum housing that will never fail you, and proudly backed by our Lifetime Ironclad Warranty. It's built for accuracy when you need it most. It's purpose-built to hunt. Learn more at bushnell.com banner2 hey guys welcome to another episode of the speak the language podcast now before we get into this episode jordan and i have some exciting stuff that we need to tell you about first off we have new episodes airing right now on outdoor channel
1: yep last fall a lot of hard work behind those and they came out really good
0: yeah right now it's the elk stuff i think we're on this week would be week three and then after the elk it'll roll right into the cottonmouth footage yep
1: and we got a little stuff different than Cottonmouth too, so everybody needs to go watch
0: it. Yeah, it's it's an exciting season. It's a different season. Those are airing on Sundays at ten thirty Eastern, Tuesdays at seven o'clock Eastern, and Saturday morning at eleven Eastern. Okay. And then also we got a lot of stuff going on. We got the Primo's YouTube channel. How many how many messages do you think you get weekly? asking when we're going to start uploading episodes on the youtube channel
1: several at least and it's happening it's happening every (laughs)
0: every tuesday morning you can check the primo's youtube channel there will be a new there will be a new episode uploaded primo's truth about hunting on our youtube channel and then lastly i think i'm I'm really excited about this because this is like new new
1: yeah we just started it back in the spring yeah primo's truth web series primo's
0: truth web series it is a new digital series that you can only find primos.com
1: yep brand new stuff it's content you will not see anywhere else
0: yep and so if you go to primos.com and go to the learn tab hover over that you'll see it down there it says the primos truth web series click on that right now we have our turkey stuff from this past spring
1: yep it's already uploaded on there and we're finna start uploading new ones in end of July 1st August
0: yeah Jordan has a we have a cotton mouth episode in there that will not be on TV again it's exclusive just to the website uh, we've got some Alligators, some mosquito bites, some tractor <laughs> time. <laughs> and we
1: also have the elk hunts that are airing on Outdoor Channel right now, but they're different. Yeah, you know, we got a lot, with the the way the time slot works on Outdoor Channel, you can't show everything you have. Yeah. So now we have a platform we can make it the best it can be. Exactly. And the, show every all the little small details that
0: happen. Right. So there's stuff in those hunts, like George said, that we just don't have time to fit into, the, into a, uh, a television episode well on this new web series we don't have any time constraints so we can show everything. Yep. So it, it makes it more exciting. It makes it to where you know if, if a guy that's you know really a hardcore elk hunter or trying to learn a lot about elk hunting and they want to see a lot of Close calls, you know, because it's sometimes on. You know, we don't have time. All you see is the successful hunts. So you don't see all the times that we go out and get close or get skunked, and so all that's going to be in there.
1: Yeah, and that's not just by. That's what we want to show people. That's just because we don't have time to show anything else.
0: Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. Be sure to check that out. Primos.com. Primos Truth Web Series. Rolling right here. Everything's good. All those stuffs turned down. Boom on on fantastic fantastic
2: do you know that uh i don't know if you know this but this is how you are on my phone really did i did i show you this lake trout mouth pickle <laughs> 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 and it's that
0: photograph of you yeah there's when se- you saw the cougar there's several photographs of me like that like <laughs> with that same facial expression yeah um uh, you did you either get that from Wilbur or?
2: No, I, th- I think I got it from Keith.
0: Okay, that makes sense. That makes you sense. Know,
2: Keith and I always conspiring against you.
0: That makes sense. So, Robbie Kroger, Dr. Robbie Kroger. Dr. Robbie Kroger is what I'm used to calling
2: you. Dr. Kroger. Dr. Yeah. Kroger. Yeah, back in the day.
0: Back in the day. So, I'm going to go forward, then I'm going to go back. So, yep. the, you are the founder and the, the, the everything behind Blood Origins.
2: I guess so, yeah.
0: Which is what what we came here primarily to discuss, but mm-hmm. what I think is interesting, um, for one, we've been talking about doing this for a long, long time. Correct. Long, long time. So I'm glad we're finally doing it. And it's uh, actually
2: perfect timing. Lord's timing is perfect.
0: I th- I agree. I agree. Um, and it, it would have been so much, like the summertime is the time for us to do this. That way, like I said, like right now, we don't have any time constraints, don't have anything. We can talk for whatever, for however long. Uh But I think one thing funny to mention is how me and you know each other in the first place. Right. Right.
2: Well, I was a a professor at Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. And you were a young, naive (laughs) wildlife (laughs) fishery student. And you were technically, I think you were my first class that I ever taught. And I got to teach a class called Applied Aquatic and Terrestrial Ecology Mm -hmm. that had a, a, a certain reputation about it. And it was handed over to me to continue the reputation. And I took it upon myself to make it my own. (laughs) And you learned about if elephants were left-tusked or right-tusked. I did,
0: yeah, I remember that. And you probably,
2: too, today will correct someone if someone says that a snake is poisonous. Poisonous
0: versus venomous.
2: Versus venomous. And uh, my job was to make sure that I was training up the resource biologists that were going to take care of our state and federal resources for my kids and your kids and our grandkids one day. And mm-hmm. I took that job very, very seriously. Yeah. And I think everyone in the class realized that <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't messing around. Starting from day one, we realized that. <laughs> oh, I got everybody's, you know, I knew everybody's name. Th- that still, that freaked
0: me out. I still remember that the first day in class, I, ca- I had to ask, oh, I remember what it was, is um, you talked about note taking at the end of the class. Like I hated like actual taking note, like physically writing notes down. So I always had my laptop. So I was going to ask you if I could use my laptop to take notes. And I walked up there, and you're like, "Hey, Lake." I was like, "How
2: does he know my name?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it showed, and, and it almost bleeds into blood origins. It shows that you care. Yeah. It showed that okay this guy isn't just in here to teach and he's bored he actually gives a damn yeah yeah like he took the time to learn 80 kids names in a two-week span so that he can interact with them call them out when they're late to my class Mm -hmm. which is you know forcing a little bit of responsibility on folks and just know that hey i'm here i know who you are i know when you're here i know when you're not here and if you're not here for a specific reason just let me know
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah, I remember that was one of my favorite classes, and I can say that now because I'm not a student anymore. So you know, I'm not blowing smoke. <laughs>
2: you know, but yeah, it's it's awesome to see you and you know, there's a bunch of kids in those first couple of classes that are now wildlife biologists. Yeah. Jamie is the bear guy for Mississippi Department of Fish and Wildlife mm-hmm. uh, Department of uh, Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Um, there are a bunch of people that you know I taught. Um, that well, are not doing the job That they wanted to do The uh, nuisance
0: species biologist uh, uh, He was a Mississippi State student While I was there He had to have gone through your class I interviewed him last summer Ballard I think.
2: Yeah, Anthony Ballard Yeah Anthony Ballard was yeah. my kid as well
0: Yeah yeah. Cause yeah. Cause Jamie Holt Jamie Holt's the bear guy now yeah. Bear biologist Because I remember like, I mean that's a common thread Honestly Because like <laughs> when I taught, I didn't realize it's who that was Until he came to the office And I was like Man, I know you We were at school at the same time And we were like you do Kroger's class too. <laughs> <laughs> True story, man. I mean, it, it was good. It was a good time. So, explain to me. I mean, like you've listened to this podcast before. We don't. We. I mean, we kind of just go straight into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, blood origins. Yeah. There's. I mean, if I just were to ask you what is blood origins, that's. I mean, that's. I wouldn't really call that a fair question.
2: No, it's a fair question
0: because it's. It, it's a. There's just a lot. Or if I said. Tell me what Blood Origins is in a sentence, because I know you've got I a lot. I can do it. You can do it. Yeah. All Com- right, dive in.
2: Blood Origins is conveying the truth around hunting. Okay. End of story. End of story. So what is the truth? You tell me. The truth is things that aren't typically sexy to the hunting industry. The truth is the heart of someone. Yeah. The truth is identifying the people, the people behind the camera, the people, their heart. People hunt for many, many, many different reasons. mm mm-hmm. Killing may be one of them, but more often than not, is way down the list of why somebody hunts. Yeah. But killing is the thing that the hunting industry focuses on. Justifiably so, mm-hmm. because the hunting industry is built on selling products. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But what about the 99 p- other things mm-hmm. that we hunt because of? And so that's the truth. The truth is transparent about who we are as hunters. The truth is vulnerable Mm -hmm. about who we are as hunters. The truth is emotional. The truth is fact-based. The truth is science-based. The truth is, what does hunting mean to communities in Africa? Mm. So, what is Blood Origins? Blood Origins is... our whole purpose of being is to convey the truth around hunting. Mm
0: -hmm. So, take me back. What, what gave you the motivation to do this in the first place? Where did all this come from?
2: So, you were actually probably the first six individuals mm-hmm. that I reached out to and said, this is what I want to do. And the reason I did it was that I was maturing as a hunter. I'm a late adult onset hunter. My family is steeped in hunting heritage from Mozambique and South Africa. My grandfather lived the heyday of... Of African hunting in the 50s and 60s and 70s explain what that is so the heyday I, I've heard you say that yeah, and that's so the always heyday of African hunting is the stories that people talk about Africa mm. it's the Teddy Roosevelt era of Africa it's the Ernest Hemingway era of Africa it's the it's the Africa without a burgeoning African population mm. imposing itself on the habitat it's almost like America was, back in the 1700s, gotcha. But that's what Africa was in the 50s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Gotcha. Prolific wildlife everywhere, no people. And my grandfather got into Mozambique in the 50s, uh, in an in import-export type role. But he, you know, worked. So, for instance, some names. There's a famous. There's two famous individuals out of Mozambique that were contract elephant hunters. Mm-hmm i.e. they hunted elephants for ivory. Name was Harry Manners, Wally Johnson. Mm. Those two were PHs with my grandfather in the first hunting concession in Mozambique. Wow. Okay? Yeah. But before that, he was raised in Russia. He was born in 1912 in Russia. And he lived the heyday of Siberia, northern China. He's hunted pheasants in Tibet. Mm. In the 20s, 30s, and 40s.
0: So you're talking some,
2: I mean, truly some deep, deep hunting roots. Deep hunting roots. But deep. I had no roots okay. because I never hunted. Because I was raised in a town like Los Angeles in South Africa. Eight and a half million people. If you'd asked me as a 16-year-old kid or a 17-year-old kid, what's hunting? You're like, oh, yeah, my grandfather used to hunt. yeah, My dad used to hunt. I've read the books. I've read the stories. I've seen the trophies on the wall. Was Do you hunt, Robbie? Oh I
0: don't know so was it was it something just culturally not yeah, that you just didn't do, yeah,
2: because I wasn't in an urban I was in an urban setting, right, none of my friends hunted, we didn't go places to you know when we went out to the bush in South Africa, you went wildlife viewing, right, you wouldn't go to hunt because that just wasn't it's almost like you can equate it with someone in New York, uh-huh. who wants to go see Yosemite and Yellowstone.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
2: So yeah. they want to go there to see that. They don't want to go there to. They don't want to go to that area to hunt something. Right. They just want to go to see it. Same as most South Africans. If you don't, or you're not. You're not raised in a rural environment. Essentially. Sure. So that that's a part of my heritage, but I never got it because it was almost denied to me. Though I didn't know it was getting denied to me. It was denied to me. Sure. So, when I arrived in Mississippi in 2003 and got thrust into the the redneck style <laughs> of hunting that is Mississippi, <laughs> literally got given a lawn chair, stuck under a cedar tree, given a rifle, say, if something walks by, shoot it. Yeah. Kind of hunting. <laughs> I was, you know, and so I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I had to progress very quickly in my ideology of what hunting was. Yeah. And so... Once I had my two boys and I started thinking about storytelling and I started looking around and I was like, well, where am I going to find, like, where do I find this thing that I'm looking for? This thing that is explaining why people do what they do. Yeah. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find this narrative that I was seeking. I couldn't find this narrative that was just a little deeper than what I was seeing on the outdoor channel, sportsman's channel. or What else? Sure. And so that's why, you know, I came up with this idea, well, why don't we film people's stories? And when I talked to you, we had this idea, all right, we're going to film individual interviews. That's it, if you remember. Yeah, very well. And so we filmed myself, and then we filmed yours, and then we filmed Keith's. Mm-hmm and after that we showed a bunch of people and one of those was Cuz Strickland Yeah. and I showed Cuz the three episodes and he was like oh this is so great he goes but you need to be in every single one and I said Cuz this isn't about me uh-huh. and I think that's a very important point that what Blood Origins I think is what's setting Blood Origins apart is that this project isn't about self mm-hmm. it's not about Robbie Kroger it's about us it's about Lake it's about Jordan it's about Troy it's about us our community mm-hmm. And I was very recalcitrant to making me in every episode. Sure. He goes, no, you don't have to be in every episode. But you get the opportunity to talk about that individual because they can't talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I get to be the the bragger, essentially. Right. um, On Famous Hunters and absolutely nobodies. Yeah. That is something that was always – that
0: struck a chord with me initially. Is that th- that first season, if you will, that you did? You had literally from all over the spectrum. There, mm-hmm. was, there was no bias. There was no pattern. You know, I mean, you could have someone like, I, uh, you know, a, a Jim Shockey, which he was season two. I think, yeah, right? we had Will. Yeah, but you could have someone like a Jim Shockey, and then you could then you have somebody on there that no one in the public eye would know. Hundred percent. And so, and that was the kind of the whole point of it.
2: Correct. Absolutely. No, that's. You know, Joanna Dart was in that first season. Right. The South Korean lady who got adopted by a single mother Mm -hmm. that was into equestrian activities. Mm -hmm. She never hunted, but she became a late adult onset hunter and really discovered this thing that was hunting. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't look like a hunter, not to the general public, not to the non-hunting audience, which is, you know, something that's worth mentioning that Blood Origins isn't built for you and me. As hunters, sure it it gives hunters an opportunity to look at what we do and maybe tweak their narratives of how they're expressing hunting, yeah but it's built for the non hunting audience it's built so that people that sit in the middle, the non hunting majority that are keeping our hunting lifestyle around for our kids and grandkids can see, oh, I' never knew that about hunting how many times i can 't tell you how many times i've heard. Somebody say, I never realized hunting played such a critical role in conservation. Yeah. And my mind was blown because I was like, what? Yeah. How do you not know this? And it was like, we just needed to shine a light on it. We needed to show it in a different way. We needed to show it through a different avenue, through a different lens, through a different mechanism. Mm. I tried to, because
0: I've had those same discussions, and and I finally came to, I guess, an understanding because to your point there's really not a whole lot there's not a whole lot of education on that out there if you're not in the hunting if you're not interested in hunting in the first place you know what i mean so i was like i guess to someone that doesn't understand it or someone that doesn't a lot i can understand the premise of why they would be confused sure but to your point you know someone like me or you that's been immersed in it for long time now you're like yeah hunting conservation they go hand in hand
2: mm-hmm.
0: so mm-hmm. It, it's it's a it's a it's a weird balance uh, or it, it can be perceived as a weird balance
2: it, no it is it is a weird bla- balance but if you are taking the approach like we're taking that all of our content is being pushed into the digital space mm-hmm. for a single reason which is to try and just put that piece of content in front of someone who may be a swing vote or a swing like oh i have no idea maybe i actually didn't have an opinion about hunting but now i oh okay i have a better perception of what hunting is and what hunting does and the benefits that come from hunting Mm -hmm. right not just the trophy but all the other things that are that come along with the trophy Mm -hmm. essentially that's our purpose right and unfortunately in the digital age you're fighting viral videos that you know somebody doing a crazy buffalo hunt or a crazy lion hunt and it's just super bad and you you fight that all the time so oh yeah all the time we're just going to try and keep pushing good content into the digital space and as we grow we're just going to do it more and more and more with more resources behind us
0: right I mean, it's essentially all you can do because I, I mean, there are. It's it's with anything though, man. I mean, any kind of any kind of thing that's that's good per se. There's going to be someone out there showing the far side of it that doesn't show a good perception of it. Yeah. Someone. Someone. I'm going to try this jerky that you brought. No,
2: no, no. Stop. It's not jerky. Okay. It's called biltong. Biltong. B i l t o n g. It's South African jerky. And it's made here in the United States. Boyki's Biltong. Chili Biltong. Now, what you're about to taste is the taste of my childhood. The smell, the taste, everything oh about it is the taste of my childhood. And if you look at the back of the ingredients, there's only six of them. There's no preservatives. There's no nothing. It's okay. You can say it's amazing. That's very good. <laughs>
0: That's very good. Yeah, let me have some. Yeah, have at it. Chili Biltong.
2: Yeah, a lot of people think it's bull tongue.
0: Over the, I was over the phone. <laughs> I thought you were saying you're bringing
2: bull tongue. I was like, well, you know, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the taste of my childhood, man. And it's just, it's just dried cool. beef. Yeah. It's superb. It's delicious. The listeners are probably salivating now. <laughs> <My> Mouths <laughs> are watering. <laughs> you can hear us chewing on this bull tongue.
0: One thing that I swallow this bull tongue Um that I thought that was interesting, and I think what you did kind of brought to light and to your point kind- of, kind of this whole truth and this the this truth behind hunting that you're trying to show
2: mm-hmm.
0: all of these you know not the vast majority not the vast majority all of the individuals that you've done these episodes on mm-hmm. had a very very common thread correct where there was so much more behind what made them hunt than just pulling the trigger on something. Correct. So, so much more behind that. And so the question is, is why is that so lost on the hunting community, or why is that not shown more?
2: I don't think we've been asking the right question, Mm -hmm. number one. (coughs) Got the chili in my back. You got some water in here? (laughs) Uh, like I guess so. It's all good. Um, I don't think we've been asking the question. Number two, I don't think that you know, m- hunting supposed to be this macho bravado type endeavor, this, yeah. this lifestyle, and emotions, and crying, and some introspective thinking. Is something we're not supposed to do. Mm. Yet, if you had to ask every single hunter, and, and I've thought about this a lot because it, it happens to me every single time, put yourself in the moment—that thousandth of a second of where your tr- your finger is on the trigger, your fingers on your arrow release—and there's this thousandth of a second moment between the gun going off or the arrow being released. Mm-hmm. And there is, a, there is a depth to that moment that is essentially the chasm of life and death that you have control over. And I think that if you asked hunters, if we held you in that moment, take the people who are doing it because they want food for sustenance and they have to the hunt for meat only mm. if i held you in that moment would you pull the trigger would you release the arrow because everything is this li- you, it's almost this like mixture of all of your emotions and adrenaline and everything that that is the instinctual part the primal part of who we are as humans coming to a an eclipse just in that thousandth of a second yeah it's those t- kinds of things that, uh, those kinds of things don't really sell m- things, <laughs> coming back, th- you know, coming back to the things. So, yeah. you know, w- that hasn't been something that some people have focused on. And again, I think the other thing that the reason we haven't focused on it is because we never really had an environment like we're living in today where we, res- where we, we are experiencing such pushback. Yeah. against who we are as hunters and that's why i came to you and it's only three years i yeah. was it, you know october the 2017 is when we released our first episode right so we talked in the june time frame of 2017 yeah in which everyone started talking about we need to think about like our why we need to think about narratives we need to think about deeper storytelling yeah and it's it's just a part of the culture right now it's part of our digital age it's part of the social media age it's part of you know it's part of society in general the left is getting further away from the middle the right is getting further away from the middle very true and we're not seeing the middle ground anymore we're no. not able to have discourse we're not able to talk about facts and people's opinions mm. and say look i can understand why you hunt but I'm still going to be an anti. I'm still not going to like it. Okay. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah, No problems. So that's, w- that's why I don't think you've seen it. But I think that <laughs> I almost wanted to become sexy. I almost wanted to become like, oh, okay. Us expressing more of ourselves. Yeah. It's something that becomes more mainstream. Hmm.
0: I see it. It's just it's just very very different than how it's been portrayed. I can see what you're coming for though. I can see that but like it's just to me it I think you would you would almost have to get that story more across that way or you would have to get at where you would have to get it where that is the main narrative of hunting? Yeah. For it to ever be more mainstream perceived. Yeah. It would have to be. Yeah. Plain and simple.
2: And I would say maybe, you know, to Again, coming back to who's gonna pay for it, right? That and that's one of the reasons why Blood Origins now is a five oh one C three. Right. Is that okay, we we purposely did not we purposely have become Switzerland. We're not gonna belong to anyone. We're not gonna have a partnership or sponsorship with a, a certain gun manufacturer or a camera manufacturer or anything like that because then we belong. Sure. And so that world has obligations that hunting world has obligations to those sponsorships to the industry to the partners right but why not at the same time for instance if somebody's going to Africa and they're going to do a hunt in Africa they get the hunt they get the hunt on film they get the thing that they need to satisfy the people well why not at the same time whilst you're on the ground get the other side of the coin Mm-hmm. Do an emotional interview with the outfitter about why he's conserving wildlife. Do a interview with the community member who's receiving the meat. And it's an, a standalone piece of content. Yeah. It's oh, another piece of content that for sure. pushes with the thing that you need to use for for satisfying your sponsors and your partners. So where my mind went to when you when you
0: said that, and I know, and I, I honestly, I'm not doing this on purpose. I know that we can, the discussion, I know you're doing something right now with TAR. Correct. Uh, but, and that's not the reason I bring this up. This is just the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, we went to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It's been two years ago. Yep. And one of the things that, that I even get a lot on, not just the Primo's page, but my own page, is we'll... Not all the time, but it's not uncommon to get direct messages or comments on stuff that's anti-hunting. Or not just anti, not necessarily all the time anti-hunting, but just, you know, why are you doing this? Why why do you feel the need to do this? Why are you, you know, and um, I remember when we went there, the cool, don't get me wrong, stag's cool, chamois are cool. Everything about that whole New Zealand experience was. But the tar. Oh, my gosh, the tar. That that was my favorite part of the entire trip because they, they're such a cool animal. Who did you hunt with? Uh, Glenn Dean. Okay. And uh, the, the gentleman who we hunted with at Tar Camp's name was Croc Adams. Okay. Croc Adams, and there was another guy there. Her name was Stacy Shuker. Yeah, yeah. I've interacted with Stacy. Stacy is her. Stacy Shuker and uh, Brenda Powell from colorado those two women right there tough
2: ladies huh oh
0: my gosh yep. but so but, stacy uh was there at tar camp but i still i remember when i was having this conversation this was this was at the end of our hunt it was our last night in tar camp and uh just the whole setting i remember like in the conversation with with crock and with stacy i was kicking myself going why do i not have my podcast stuff here because it was such a good conversation that we were having Cause this all like just to kind of paint the picture for you where we're at. We're in the middle of these mountains, uh, and if you walk out, the cabin has no power, no running water. It all has to be brought up. The water has to be brought up from the river, and the light was was brought by lanterns, mm-hmm. and that was it. No cell phone service, nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm ty- and it was paradise. Mm-hmm. It was so it was so perfect out there. And um, last night of our hunt, we'd eaten supper. And uh, we get to the point of the night where you pretty much t- he turns all the lanterns off except for one just to you know conserve what he's got and we end up sitting around the table and it's it's this old like handmade looking table, I and mean, mm-hmm. just this rustic cabin, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and Crock is explaining to us how they manage these tar
2: mm-hmm.
0: because and he had a sure it was it was mind blowing to me because. Out of all these questions that I had gotten, you know, all the time of how can you say you're conserving these things when you're killing them and oh, and this that and why you know why would you do this and there's no at the time there was no government mandated management program for tar there was no limits there's no anything that still the, still today yeah C- Croc, Croc being that his place they could have gone and mowed down every tar if they wanted to.
2: Correct. And that's what the Department of Conservation wants to do today. Very true, which is,
0: <laughs> which is a shame. But he sat there and explained to me how over the years they had figured out a way to manage that herd. Right. To keep it healthy. Right. And I was like, here is a guy that is doing this f- completely on his own accord. hmm For no other reason than he enjoys hunting, he enjoys showing this lifestyle to other people, and he genuinely cares mm-hmm. about that herd. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the most amazing thing
2: well it's the and, and the whole tar situation in New Zealand right now is it's almost stalled out a little bit, so the injunction and the hearing from the tar Foundation's perspective on the Department of conservation, yeah, they won it. so I'll just and not that this podcast needs to be four hours because I'm about I could you know rail for the last for the next two hours on tar conservation Go on do not bothering me so in 2018. ...was the first again, quote-unquote. The whole global hunting community rose up as one for the first time ever, put pressure on the Department of Conservation, who has a minister, which is very important, that is very, very left-leaning. She's a greenie, essentially. She used to work for an organization called Forest and Bird, 13 years. She became the distinguished life member of Forest and Bird last year. in 2018 put a bunch of pressure on them because they wanted to cull up to 20 to 25,000 tar but the science and the monitoring weren't there to understand exactly how many tar they had so the const- the, the confidence intervals around that average and it's not tied to numbers it's tied to helicopter time yeah okay so you, that is very critical they give them helicopter time and they shoot as much as they can in the time allotted on a helicopter all right right so if you don't have accurate data and accurate science around a population estimate, and you're saying, well, it must be around 25,000. Well, what if it's 20,000? You've just essentially eliminated, and eliminated is the appropriate term, not culled, because culling in, uh, infers that the animal is no, has no value. Yeah. Elimination is uh, eliminating something that has value. To the tune of $100 million to the, New, the New Zealand economics tied to hunting outfits restaurants bars you name it right just yeah it's the hunting model w- worldwide right so fast forward to this year the new draft operational plan is going to come into effect July 1 the tar liaison groups going where is the plan where is the plan June 26 June 27 June 28 they get a they get the version of the operational plan and they have tripled the amount of helicopter hours that have to, that's going to go into the national parks, essentially eliminate tar on the national parks.
0: Mm.
2: Well, here's the irony. Forest and Bird, the organization that she used to work for, right. has sued the Department of Conservation for not fulfilling their obligations to legally eliminate all the tar. Oof. The Tar Foundation is suing the Department of Conservation for not coordinating with the liaison group to figure out a best solution, a middle ground, because that's what they want. The hunters don't want all the animals on the on the mountain; they want a middle ground that benefits the New Zealand native fauna and flora, but also benefits recreational hunters from a mental health perspective, as well as the commercial outfits right. and the GDP that tar hunting brings to the state of uh, to the country of New Zealand. Right. So you have two left and right factions suing the same organization (laughs) the same department state department and it's it's almost you know it's just what hunting is today it's almost like this this left versus right scenario but the hunting organizations in new zealand really are looking for the middle ground yeah they are saying look let's come to the table let's figure this out we're working off a 30 year old tar management plan that was drafted in 1993 that was experimental then yeah so let's put in an adaptive management strategy that's adapted in space and time so that if there are tussock areas or alp- high alpine grasses that are getting mowed down let's do some operational culling there or increase the quota of residential hunters in that catchment you
0: you say tussock, tussock makes me think, oh, I have some experience with the tussock bush. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's the last smiled when <laughs> you said tussock. I almost died the first day in New Zealand. Because of what? Because of a dead tussock bush. Oh, because you grabbed onto it, right? <laughs> right. And just... Would, I mean, when the tu- this is what I tell like a tussock bush, when it's alive, is your best friend for climbing. Mm-hmm. You can stand on it, you can pull yourself up on it. When it's a dead plant, no dice. And it was our first day, so I didn't know. I didn't. Right. Know, I didn't know what tussock bush was. I found out really quick. Mm-hmm. But we were sidehilling around. We were, we weren't on tar at the time. We we're trying to move to a stag, and uh, gra- I had a camera on my back, camera strapped on my back, and I reached with my right hand, grab a rock, and then I plant and I put all my weight on my right foot on a dead tussock bush, and I just went. And thankfully, like it it, it went. St- Pretty much straight down, and then it flattened, kind of plateaued. Mm-hmm. If I would have slid, I'm not going to over dramatize it. Like <laughs> I was right there on the edge, man. I, but if I had a slid 15 more yards, that was a that was it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was it for the home team. I, I I hate to interrupt you. You said tussock That's where my mind goes,
2: though. It, you know, it's just that tar situation. Again, just it speaks to the environment that we're living in right now. Oh, 100%. You know, tar. Uh, Senate Bill one one seven five out of California right now, that was it used to be called the Iconic African Protected Species Act. Yeah. That bans African taxidermy coming into the state of California or owning. Yeah. They uh it, it it didn't work in the beginning when they first did it. Well now they because of COVID and you look at the red line amendment, they just redlined it and called it the Wet Market COVID Act. They added some wet market language, and the rest is the African Protected Species Act. And it's passed through the Senate already. It's getting looked at at the House, I believe, next week. Really? Or the week after. Yeah, and it's just just like, you know, it's the idea of not understanding the benefits that hunting is bringing to wildlife, to ecosystems, to communities, to people...
0: There's obviously a lot of misunderstanding, that mm-hmm. we wouldn't be in a situation. I mean, th- what the the video you put out the other night, trying to reach out to Ricky Gervais. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> seriously, I mean, I'm a fan of Ricky Gervais. He's a funny, oh, s- he's same a, here. He's a funny dude. Yep. Uh, he obviously has a like, has a stark misunderstanding of hunting, though.
2: Yeah, I think he, I think there's definitely politics at play there. Either he's a spokesperson, and he's getting paid for his viewpoints associated specifically with hunting. Yeah. But a lot of people have been reaching out. We dropped that on Sunday. A lot of people have reached out and they're like, has he responded? Has he responded? (sighs) And I know he saw the video because not 12 hours later, and I was, look, don't get me wrong. We were really punching up on that video. Sure. And I was really afraid of the consequence of that video. Why? Just if he decided to do something, there were. Th- I was in two frames of mind. One, I was really afraid because yeah. if he decided to do something, we would get a world of anti-storm sure. brought on us. Sure. Could we handle it? Yes. But in, in the same frame of mind, I'm like, who's who's Ricky Gervais in comparison to me? Yeah. Right? He's just a celebrity. Okay, so what? Yeah. And so, but we... The message we put out was exactly what needs to be put out. It wasn't a ranting message. It wasn't a raving message. It was an even-keeled, Ricky, I love you, but I think you got this wrong because these are the facts that I've seen firsthand. I don't believe you've seen them firsthand. So why don't I take you and show you firsthand? And at the end of that experience, if you still have the same opinion, all good. So be it. So be it. All good. So 12 hours after that video dropped, I got a text message. And it was, did you see Ricky Gervais' Instagram? Question mark, question mark. And immediately my adrenaline spiked up. I was like, (gasps) (laughs) what? what? He posted a picture of an elephant. And it said something. He misspelled something in there. He said something like, only elephants should have a tuck. It's supposed to be a tusk. Uh. Only elephants should have a tusk. Ban trophy hunting. And if you look through back through his Instagram page, he hadn't had a single band trophy hunting picture for weeks.
0: Ah. Uh-huh. So you think your video brought Heck that yeah. on? Yeah.
2: Gotcha. There's no doubt in my brain yeah. that it brought it on. Yeah. So we touched him. Whether he takes us up on the offer, I hardly doubt it. Yeah. But it's you know, it's just almost like, Hey, I think you're misinformed. And I understand why you're misinformed. Sure. You know, and so let me help you get a better picture or better understanding of the benefits of hunting.
0: Well, here's the, a whole other point to tackle to, for me, at least, and for I think the benefit of the people listening to this podcast is how you went about contacting him, or not not how you went about doing it, how you went about how you went about approaching him. What kind of tact you used Mm -hmm. because here's what i mean by that is i've known people to say because usually people that get hate from antis or questions from people that don't understand or people that are more in the public eye but not always sometimes it'll be just some random guy yep post a picture of a, a deer that he killed some ducks that he shot and someone will comment on it and say what you're doing is wrong and what they'll do is comment back Screw you! You're stupid. And yep. then I'm like ho oh, oh, ho oh, ho! Hey hey! <laughs> this not uh I, I understand why the knee jerk reaction. I understand why that would upset you, but that is you're not going to get anything across to that person or that group of people coming at them that way. Correct. You know what I mean? So if you put out a video to Ricky Gervais and you were just, just just, you know, pointing a finger at him and saying that he was ignorant. That wouldn't have, that wouldn't, what would that
2: accomplish? Right. You know what I mean? Right.
0: So, th- I mean, I think there's, not I think, I know there's something to be said about that.
2: Yeah. No, I and mean, that's why we do what we do, right? We, when we push message, we push message in a very even keeled, sometimes laced with emotion, purposely. The way that I talk, the way that you hear yeah. me talk, the way that you see me deliver something is purposeful in that. I'm showing vulnerability. I'm showing that, hey, buddy, I like you. I, you know, but I think you got something wrong here. Yeah. And here's why I think it. And here are my facts. But I get it that it's just my word against your word. Sure. Right. And am I going to rail about that? Am I going to, you know, beat my chest and say you're absolutely wrong? No. And even in comments, like you just mentioned, I think I'm, I'm glad you said that. So we put that video on Facebook. I think it's at like 55,000 views or something like that sure. right now. But a bunch of anti-hunting comments on it. And every one we responded to, we responded more like, why, why you say that? You know, yeah. Are you against all hunting or are you just against a certain sector of hunting? Yeah. Are you opposed to X? Are you opposed to Y? Instead of saying what you just said, well, you must be a moron. Right. You know, screw yeah. you, which is doing nothing. If anything, it's doing more harm. Correct. And I can promise you, we've saw it. We saw it on those Ricky Gervais comments. Sure. That there are some in there that you will never, ever change their minds. Yeah. However, there are some in there that put push a stance and you question their stance a little bit with just some very logical questions back at them and they answer. And you, s- and you even start by saying, hey there's no intention here to my question. I just want an open conversation if you're willing to have one. Yeah. What do you think about this? And then it makes them think and they respond even keeled as well back to you. And you say, man, I can appreciate that position. And I completely get where you're coming from. And they'll respond, thank you so much for the dialogue. Whoa. Do you think we've just changed someone's perception around what a hunter is supposed to be and how they're supposed to interact with someone? Absolutely. Yeah. I would agree
0: I absolutely would agree it's 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 such a and the thing why that works and i th- I think why sometimes you get the reactions you get is we kind of touched on this earlier is an interaction like that is a rarity in mm-hmm. this culture correct like like you said earlier we pretty we live in a society now where you disagree with me, okay, you're my enemy now, correct, you know what i mean there there is no let's find some middle ground it's no you're
2: over there and I'm over here. That's right. And that's why the tar situation is so poignant for today's society. Hunters want the middle ground. We understand that culling is necessary. Hunters cannot do the wildlife population uh, reductions that need to happen themselves. They need government to come in and cull. Yeah. And so there's the middle ground.
0: What is it... um You probably know more facts on it than I do. There was the whole Cecil the lion bit, and then they banned lion hunting, and now...
2: So they didn't quite ban lion hunting. Lion hunting is still legal, Uh um, but the import process into the states is very much um, slowed down. So that's going through Fish and Wildlife Service now, and they're going through individual permits. There has been certain moratoriums put in place on places like Tanzania and Zambia, where they're like, we believe it's doing a detriment to lion populations. If you ask the top researchers in the world whether or not lion populations are declining, they will say absolutely. If you ask hunters, are lion populations declining? Overall, the answer is yes. Okay. However, just like elephants, in certain places, lion populations are increasing like elephant populations are increasing in certain places it's not going to be a a, a (laughs) you're not going to be surprised when i say that the places that these lions are increasing are in areas that are protected through hunting and so the idea that lion populations are decreasing because of hunting is a fallacy lion populations are decreasing because of habitat loss and because of human-wildlife conflict. Yep. Well, why do you have human-wildlife conflict resulting in illegal offtake of lions? Because the people on the ground don't see the value or there is no value in that lion. It's a pay If it pays, it stays type principle. It's the same principle of why we have wildlife in America. Yeah. That's the principle of, of people living essentially with lions and elephants in their backyards in Africa. So that's the whole, it's the, there's places, and, and obviously when you start talking about lions, and leopards, and elephants.
0: They're hot topics, I get
2: that. Charismatic megafauna that have a Disney influence built around them sure. that people are emotionally attached to. And you cannot take the emotion out of that argument by saying, look, the reason that person just poisoned eight lions... Is because one lion just ate their kid. Yeah. Like we can't wrap our minds around that.
0: Yeah. But yet some people will throw their opinions at it like like they really know what's going on. Like you're not living there. Correct. <laughs> you
2: know? Correct. Yeah. And so that's just the that's that's where it comes back to the idea of California telling Africa, Hey, we know better. We know how to manage your resources. The Cecil Act following Cecil the, the Lion, is an act that is about to be put onto the Natural Resources Committee in D.C. through the legislature, and that is to ban trophy hunting. It's a huge act brought forward by, I think, the representative Gravaldo, I think, out of Arizona or something like that. that. Yeah. But, again, it's same thing happening in the U.K. DEFRA banning the import of African trophies. Actually, not African trophies. Trophies, period. Wow. So if somebody from the UK wants to come to Mississippi and kill a good whitetail buck, will not be able to import that whitetail buck into the UK if any they pass this. Any of it? Any of it? None of it. No meat. Any? Okay. Well, you can't take meat out of the states. Sure. Um, but none of it. None of the 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 you know the antlers, the skull, the skin. Nothing. nothing. That's wild. And it's like. We use Africa as an example for the UK in terms of all California, and we use this term called eco-colonialism. And so in the 1700s, colonialism was essentially the big superpowers of the world went around and decided, you are going to be my subject. (laughs) And that happened in South Africa. Britain came in, Germany, Britain, Portugal, France, colonial superpowers. Yeah. Well, we call it eco-colonialism today because you can't go and assert your power over another country. So the only way that you can do it is through environmental regulations. And you can assert an economic influence, which is what colonialism was, is that we're going to come in and we're going to exploit a resource or we're going to put a thumb on the economics and control the economics gotcha. of that country. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing as environmental regulations. We're going to ban trophy hunting. So essentially what you've done is you've, you've smushed an economic revenue generator yeah. for these countries just through a regulation being passed yeah. 2,000 miles away. Mm. So it's almost, you know, you could, if you want to stretch it even further, the UK, <laughs> and this is where you'd get the the red-blooded Americans really fired up, <laughs> is that you can say, well, the UK is essentially being a a, a, a colonialist <laughs> to America. Nobody talks about it, but that's essentially what they're saying. Now, granted, I don't know the data of Hunters (laughs) coming out of the UK (laughs) generating GDP in the United States. I don't know. probably very small. Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's still there.
0: It's just interesting. I mean, it's not interesting because I hear it all the time. It's just discouraging that you hear that kind of stuff still happening.
2: But now's the time to fight in the right way. Right. These things are going to happen, and between now and the next 10 years, it's going to happen more and more and more and more, and the most important thing in these fights is rhetoric. I agree. And there's going to be people that have a, and that's their job, to be in a very defensive type rhetoric posture. And I look at Blood Origins and I say, I don't want to be in a negative rhetoric type posture. What we've done and what we're going to continue to do is be a proactive PR campaign for hunting. That's what we do. We're not reacting to nothing. We may react to the tar situation or the California situation with a talking head. But all of our content is not being driven by some sort of anti-hunting rhetoric sure it's this proactive campaign it's this pr campaign about changing the perception of who we are as hunters
0: yeah because here's the, here's the thing that i would come out with this is as far as level of concern is it'd be easy for someone to listen to this but yeah well you're talking about stuff that's affecting africa the uk right like Come this fall, I still got my deer camp. That's right, and that's not going to change.
2: Oh, it's going to change. You know what I mean? That, oh, that it's d- going to change. So, you w- don't understand. There are so many things happening in multiple states in the U.S. Just it—it's death by a thousand cuts. You think about it from a a gun rights perspective, right? Everyone right. knows very well the gun debate, right? Right. And I've experienced it. I lived in South Africa, where. In one point of time, I had one set of gun laws, and three years later, I had another set of gun laws. And I saw the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen with hunting. Death by a thousand cuts. Oh, we're going to take trapping away. Yeah,
0: that's Oh, we're going to take this yeah. season. It, trapping
2: is being hit everywhere hard right now. Hard very everywhere. Very hard. Oh, we're going to introduce wolves. Oh, we're going to you know, ban hound hunting of lions. It's just one by one by one by one. Where are they trying to take away hound hunting of lions? Oh, I think it's it's already gone out of Colorado. No. Oh no! No 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 no.
0: Yeah, I hope it's not Johnny Hamilton. No 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 Johnny Hamilton no no. Would be no. no,
2: it's absolutely not. or, um, well maybe I mixed bears. Maybe it's gone for bears somewhere. I could see that. Anyway, the Sportsmen's Alliance is they they are the the people who have their fingers they 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 have their fingers on the pulse. Yeah, they they're fighting, and and they're just like you know what what I love about the Sportsmen's Alliance is they're not they have no political affiliation. Yeah, they are just if you're a Republican about to remove some hunting rights, we're against you. Sure. You're a Democrat removing some hunting rights, we're against you.
0: You're right. That's what I, I was in. This was probably three or four years ago when I was hunting in Colorado. One of the guys we were hunting with was concerned because he had trapped his whole life. He talked about running trap lines, and that that was up in uh, legislation. Then trying to get that taken away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, and that's why I bring that up to you because I know you would know, and you'd have some thoughts on it. It's a, a, the whole thought process of ah, it doesn't affect me here.
2: No, it affects you. It's gonna. It may not affect. You know, somebody who's my age in the 40s, you may not see it affect you in Mississippi today. But in 10 years, 15 years, when your kids are coming up hunting, there's going to be effects. Yeah. And it's scary, but it's also we have an opportunity to tell the right story, tell the right narrative, talk to our non-hunting friends about what's important, what isn't important, why we do what we do. Yeah. That's what I think's gonna save hunting.
0: That's why blood origins is is what it is. Correct. That's right.
2: Yeah, that's it. Plain and simple. You asked a simple question, right? Did we get to the answer now? <laughs> <laughs> <You're> getting there.
0: <laughs> getting there.
2: It's uh, you know, it's a passion. Obviously. It's, it's something that I strongly believe in and I strongly believe in it because I've been given this opportunity to be an American citizen. And understand the privileges that come with this lifestyle. And I want my kids to have it. Yeah. And I want my grandkids to have it because I didn't have it. And that so I'm doing my part to fight for it.
0: Yeah, That's always something I've found wildly interesting about your story. <laughs> because it's something that, like me, and I'll pick on myself here, that's something that like, I took for granted, per se, without even meaning to. Mm-hmm. I was born in Mississippi, mm-hmm. central Mississippi. I was born in a hunting family. Mm-hmm. Some of the first hunting trips I went on, deer and turkey were on public ground. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, like, places where public hunting wasn't available was not even a concept to me. Right? You know what I mean? And that's what I mean by saying taking it for granted with not even meaning to. I just thought that was, a, yeah, public ground.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a thing. Mm-hmm. So, and you think about that. Like yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have, I don't have kids right now. I, p- I hope to have kids one day, and I want them to be able to have the same hunting privileges that I've been allotted. Sure, that means a lot to me.
2: Absolutely, I think that a lot of people listening to this podcast, if they've gotten this far, they need to sit and pause a little bit, and understand what you have. Yeah, the fact that you can, in most parts of Mississippi or the Southeast. You can drive out of your driveway and within 20 minutes be in a place that you can load a weapon Mm -hmm. and freely do what you want within the legal bounds. But go do and be and not bothered and be completely legal to have a live firearm on a piece of ground that is essentially yours as an American citizen does not happen in very many places in this world yeah. it's a privilege yeah and then you've got you, you you put you layer on top of that the wildlife management model that the u.s has the way that it's structured the way that the money is excised through Pittman robertson act mm. and the way that state management authorities manage the wildlife you layer all those things on and you start thinking whoa yeah this is certainly unique very you know it's not a private land situation like texas or or like spain where there's very few public grounds you know
0: yeah yeah so tell me this what like like what is blood origins doing right now like, well, like what's,
2: what's the main thing Blood Origins has going on right now? So, because we've turned into a 501c3, mm-hmm. and because you know that Blood Origins is, we've s- decided to be outside the box. Sure. We've decided to be non-traditional. We're going to continue that model as an NGO. And we're not going to be the standard supporter, subscription member, auction, convention, banquet type NGO. We're not going to do it. But what we are going to do is we're going to do a, we're going to we're going to implement a new model. Okay. And that model is a direct implementation project model. So we're going to find projects here in America, all around the world, and they're either going to be storytelling projects about the benefits of hunting, documentary projects, yeah. or direct conservation projects. And we're going to find them. We're going to find the money for them, and we're going to execute them. Now, that model is not unique. That happens everywhere. Right. Don't get me wrong. But the fourth thing, we're going to storytell the piss out of it. <laughs> Excuse my language. Oh, no, no. We're going to story tell the heck out of it. It's the difference. And so when you see someone like Lake Pickle says, oh, man, for instance, that we've got our first project is already funded and it is executed. And it's a film about tar okay. in New Zealand. When I heard about this situation, I said, we need a film that captures the non-hunters' heart about what tar means to the people of New Zealand. Not what it means to hunters, what it means to non-hunters. Yeah. And, we as fu- uh, and we as hunters are going to pay for it. Out of the box. Yeah. So I reached out to a couple of people I said, you said you want to support Blood Origins? I said, I need this much money, and we'll fund our first project out the gate. They're like, yep. Tell me how much. They sent the check, and boom, it's executed. It's already been filmed. Wow. We hired the helicopters. We flew everybody in. We sent them into the backcountry. They got out yesterday. No kidding. They've been in the backcountry for three days. No kidding. This, uh, is,
0: this is right now.
2: Right now. Look, I'm getting goosebumps. Look at that. I can feel it. Because that's what we want to do and we're going to we're going to storytell the heck out of it there's going to be a beautiful film that comes out of it yeah. but there's going to be all these different snippets of content yeah. that come around it we've got a, we've got outfitter videos of two outfitters that have been hit by covid about yeah. what hunting means to them and means to their business yeah we can tie in all these elements we've got you know we're selling tar t-shirts so you know in the name of tar we've got all sorts of things all built in and around this one project now let's go to zambia yeah where there's a game management area that's denuded of wildlife and let's decide okay let's go in and we're going to fund the first 12 months of anti-poaching and we're going to clean out the area we're going to put an anti-poaching team in place and then we'll pay for the translocation of animals to kickstart that area show the benefits of hunting hunter dollars putting their their money where their mouth is actions versus words right yeah. And storytell the heck out of it. All right, let's go to Colorado. We talked about lion hunting. Yeah. Have you ever seen a lion documentary on lion houndsmen crying over their animals because he's about to put his dog down? No. That's what we'll do. But you need to talk to Johnny Hamilton. Those. That's what we'll do. <laughs> he's the man. We'll tell a documentary story about the and I'll and I'll t- I'll title it Lionheart. And if anyone listening to this podcast takes up that idea, I'm going to grab it. <laughs> Johnny Hamilton. Have you ever heard of Johnny Hamilton? Mm-mm. Johnny Hamilton.
0: I've had him on the podcast before. Okay. Johnny is Johnny is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done because he's such a he is a wildly interesting individual, and and just he he he's an elk guy. Mm-hmm. And like when you meet him, I mean, and it's just. When you meet him, he's an elk guide, and he's just kind of like kicked back, like one of the guys. Dude is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Got like I think he's got like his master's degree in wildlife biology. He's, I mean, like lion, I mean, he's one time he was talking about like he saw a line track and he could see the track itself, and then the distance between the strides, front paw and back paw, and he would know pretty close to the size of that cat. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude is that's his thing. That's yep. what he, and just yep. uh, well, I asked him about that because we had the the. The Brook Trout picture you have of me—I ha- I was asking mm-hmm. him about the about the mountain line running that we had. But serious, I, I bring that up right because if you were ever tried to do something with mountain lines, that's your guy. Yeah, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, we're gonna do it, and that's. But it's how many line hunts films documentaries have you seen? I haven't seen any. Well, there's quite a few out there. Yeah, but they're always typically over the right shoulder. Of the hunter going in chasing the lion. Oh, that's a, yeah, I've seen that. Talking, talking yeah. about conservation yeah. and talking about predator-prey dynamics and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen that.
0: Yeah, I've seen that.
2: Talk about the guys and their hearts, and talk about the investment that they're putting in the dogs, and the love of the dogs, and the on um, the the love that the dogs have doing what they do best. Yeah. And all the lines that you let go, all the lines that you tree, and you walk away from the tree. That's what we're talking about. That's what we want to do and execute those projects. And we just do that. And that's how we're going to do work. We're going to do our Blood Origins episodes. That's still going to be our foundation. We're going to do those 12, 18 a year like we yeah. do. Yeah. But we're going to execute these projects. Yeah. And people are going to be able to see where their money goes. And people are going to be invested in those projects because they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know that. And we're going to tap into this idea of FOMO. Fear of missing out. Like, you're going to be wanting to check your phone because, oh, what's coming out of Blood Origins this morning? Oh, is it my project coming out of Zambia? Or is it my project coming out of New Zealand? Or is it the line documentary? Are the cameramen out filming lines today? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. This isn't Robbie going to all these three places. Because what I just need to do is I need to hire the best cameramen in the world in these places. Yeah. Give them the vision. Let them have the creative freedom. And say, go build me this. Yeah.
0: That's just wild to me. You're talking about this going on in New Zealand right now, and you're sitting here with me in Central Mississippi. Mm-hmm. No, and
2: it's done. Like it's done. Yeah. And the pictures that I have on my phone are just like, wow, crazy good. Yeah. I would like. I, it'd be very
0: because that's the tar situation struck home with me because I've been there and I've seen it. Correct. And like, it, and I didn't when I went over there. I went. I mean, you know, it seems like the at least from the 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 people I've been around, everyone just like wants the stag hunt. That's what they want. the stag, the stag and I've to obviously have nothing against stag, but tar just captured my
2: heart, man. Mm-hmm. Just they're so mm-hmm. such a cool Yeah, animal. the lion of the mountain essentially, yeah. Man. This iconic whatever it is. Not a it's not a goat, it's not a sheep, it's a tar. The,
0: the way that they get around it, it, it they're just they're so cool. Yeah,
2: and they got a mane like a lion. Yeah. It's just it's the only other animal that they, has a
0: mane. They had these these tunnels like through the vegetation like through the bushes up there on the mountains mm-hmm. and like we got we didn't get stuck we were just like we either have to go through these tunnels that stuff that I mean when I say tunnels it's the same, same thing as like a deer trail yeah they're just made they form tunnels because they have the, the big vegetation growing around right, yeah, yeah so yeah. so it looks like a tunnel and it was like we can either go all the way back down the mountain or we can scurry scurry our way through these tar <laughs> tunnels and get to the other side where we want to be and how like it was like four or five of us trying to make it through those tunnels, and we're like I'm like laid flat on my back, <laughs> camera on my chest, just like just s- squeezing through there, everyone's getting snagged
2: by stuff, and these tar will just sprint through those things yep. just <laughs> yeah wild, so no man it's uh it's exciting times for blood origins, it's exciting times for stepping up, ramping up the sure. content game, sure that uh and and look. Th- we have to prove ourselves. Yeah. And that's what we've done in the last three years is prove ourselves and prove ourselves to be, you know, on the leading edge of storytelling for who we are as a hunting community.
0: So tell me this, because I don't want to leave this this part open-ended. Where can you be found? How can they get mm-hmm. Blood Origins content?
2: Yeah. Any any of our social media platforms, obviously, com is our website where we have a big donate button. Uh, we're working on Instagram and Facebook to get those donation buttons, but they're just you it's not can't speak
0: with anyone. It's not the easiest. <laughs> yeah,
2: but you know anything. You just type in Blood Origins into Google, you'll find us. Blood Blood Origins on YouTube. You can sit on your on your couch, or you can sit in your bed, and you can watch Blood Origins on Amazon Prime. Oh wow. Um, and and on Twitter, we're everywhere. But you know the way that people can get involved with us is two ways one you know five bucks a month reoccurring donation man we get that a thousand times we're off to the races yeah. and uh, number two is sharing our message really yeah. and it's not sharing Robbie Kroger's message it's sharing again the narrative and the perception changing stuff around hunting yeah. and the more people that see it the better our community stands in the eyes of that non-hunting majority yeah powerful stuff man man you were part of it dude you were right in the beginning man you (laughs) were sitting in this coffee shop uh where was it Clinton in Clinton yeah and I said I got this crazy idea and I remember you saying man that's it's perfect timing we're about to have a call with like all these different people to talk about this exact thing
0: yeah we were and I felt I felt really strongly about it. Still do.
2: Man, I appreciate it. Still, still. Well, do. Well, you had to. You had. You had to say, okay, I'll let you film me. <laughs> um, and I'll be honest, you. There's only been two monologues, really. And we've captured, we've pushed out what 40 episodes. A lot. At this point. Yeah. I've probably got 40 sitting in the library. Oh wow. Um, maybe not that many. Maybe 20. But I've got a lot, a lot. that I haven't released. Yeah. And there's been two monologues, yours, which you literally monologued because <laughs> you were ready. And I still, we've, I've still got all that stuff that you and Keith said on the, on the tailgate that yeah. I haven't ever released. <laughs> um, and then Jamshid who who is an Iranian guy who came across, who hunted uh, Chaka in Tehran, in, in Iran, when he was 16 years old. And now was a biology teacher in California. Oh, wow. And he chucker hunts in the hills of California. Yeah. And the funny story with Jamshid was that he, when I, so the way that it works, and you've been a part of this is, you know, once we film someone, it's like, hey, who do we film next? Yeah. You tell me who you film next. And so one of our episodes, Gerard Jar- uh, Massey, a Pakistani guy, said, oh, no, you need to film this guy, Jamshid. And I said, all right, let's get a hold of Jamshid. And so we were driving across Texas and Jump Sheet called me. And like we do, we just touch pace with somebody. How are you doing? Tell me a little bit about who you are. And he goes, oh, can I, can I tell you my story? I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. He's like, I'm about, well, I, it's about 12 pages. I've written it down. Can I read it to you? <laughs> and I looked at Drew and I was like, I said, yeah, okay. Like 20 minutes later, he finished talking. And I said, man, that was, that was awesome. I said, "But you know you're not going to read this." And he almost got pissed off at me on the phone. I was like, "Oh gosh, this uh, is uh, not going to go well." Uh, uh-oh, yeah. And he was a nervous wreck that morning. We filmed Gerard before him, and we were in San Jacinto, California, and we filmed Gerard and we sat jump, dump, jump sit down. And I was like, "Oh, this is not going to go good." Yeah. He's super nervous and and I have this this image of me listening to him for 20 minutes you know read a letter and the guy had literally i think rehearsed what he was going to say wow and dropped the freaking mic just did it dropped it yeah nine minutes later i looked at drew i said we're done yeah like there's no we don't need anything else what what can you add to we can't add to what he said just like you did man we couldn't add to anything that you did um so yeah you've been a part of it from the beginning man
0: I'm proud of that. Still proud of it. I appreciate it. Well, it's like a, I mean, I've always been, uh, quite frankly, I've always been able to run my mouth, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I feel like I can articulate myself pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what was one of the things that was drawing about what y'all were, what y'all were doing, and what Blood Origin still does is I was like the kind of questions that you wanted me to answer on that video, no one had ever asked before,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. Mm-hmm. No one had been. I mean, you get the how big a deer do you kill? How many turkeys have you killed? How was your duck season? Which really means how many ducks did you kill? You don't get a what's hunting mean to you? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. W- why? Yeah, you why? You don't. You don't get those questions exactly, and that's why it was different, and that's and that's why it was so drawing. You know, and so I was like, yeah, I got a story. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell you why. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's, I mean, like I can tell you why. Yep. I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it because no, I think it's th- epic. I could think about it.
2: No, that's and that's what we need more people to do is we need more people to just take a second, just for a couple of minutes, consider why they hunt. Yeah. Because you don't, you're not, you know, you may never get asked the question, but if you do, what would you say? Yeah. I like to kill things. Mm. superficially sure yeah but is that really why you go hunting do you kill every time you go hunting no oh so if you knew that you weren't going to kill something every time you went hunting why do you go hunting Yeah. makes you think it's a question worth asking.
0: It's a question worth answering.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And that answer to that question is what you're trying to get out there.
2: That's right. How long have we been going?
0: One hour and 11 minutes. There we go. There we go. Nice length. Nice length. And this has been... Uh, I'm glad we're finally able to do
2: this. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, man. As I said, you know, we're just... We're never gonna become massive. We don't wanna become massive. We wanna be just, you know, who we are and we just wanna do good things. Yeah. And we wanna show the heart of we wanna show the heart of hunting that typically never gets seen. It happens all the time. But nobody just pauses for a second and goes, Man, why don't you just say that again? Yeah. Or capture that. Yeah.
0: That's what, man. It, it's it's a is a very needed function. And I'm glad you I'm glad you're in the role that you're in. Thank you, man. So, look, man, here here's uh, I'll end it on this. This uh this doesn't need to be a one and done episode. For sure. You good with that? Hell yeah. Cool. You are good with it, I'm good with it.
2: Yeah, man. We got <laughs> we need to come back and uh once we get a couple of projects under our belt, we would show those yeah. fricking projects out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So when we, here's what will happen um, when we post this, which this one will go up Monday. Okay. Um, we obviously we can we can link them to you and we can link them to um, you know the tar thing or, or w- whatever, man. Mm-hmm. You tell me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, for sure that would that'd be really interesting. Really interesting yeah. to do. So A lot
2: of people are like, "Where are you based? Where's Blood Origins based?" I was like Mississippi. Yeah. They're like, "What?"
0: They don't. <laughs> They don't guess that, do they?
2: (laughs) I don't have the typical Mississippi accent.
0: No, you don't. That's all right, though. I'm working on it. Yeah. Need to get my banana pudding. (laughs) (laughs) On (laughs) that (laughs) note. Yeah, Yeah, we'll end it on that. (sighs) Guys, thank you all for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Um, As always, if you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out. You can reach out to uh, my personal Instagram page, the Primo's Instagram page. You need to follow Blood Origins on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, that'll be it for this week. As always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.